0: than I ever did. You had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man. So keep up the good work. But it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John I'm Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, the Bears lost to the Packers. We'll recap in just a second, plus a brand-new interview today with Rob Body. National NFL writer for the Associated Press. We talk with him extensively about some Bears football, Eagles, 49ers, national NFL storylines, faith on the field, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John if you Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. What did you expect on Sunday? Really, what was it? I was hoping for a close game. I thought it could have been close. Parents had nothing to lose. But obviously, we saw flaws. We saw issues. We saw problems with this team. All of our concerns from the offseason were shown in their full force on Sunday night, in primetime. No weapons. Justin fields having to develop new offense. Not the best play calling, either. Weapons that the Bears currently have not being used. Oh yeah, bad defense especially in regards to the run game. It was not a good game all around for the Bears. And although they had a chance to somewhat make it close, Justin Fields did break that plane, in the end, it was clear they were not the better team. Usually, I'd go on a big rant and torch the Bears for a loss like this, but what am I supposed to say? We expected it. Somewhat. We know the capabilities of the experience team. We know the trajectory of their season. We know where they're supposed to be this year. Not a playoff team. Nothing special whatsoever. It's a year of rebuilding and development. We know that. So, of course, I was mad. We were all mad that they lost. But when you put it into context... Not a surprise, and it shouldn't ruin your day. That's the way I see it. Overall, the game was horrible. The Bears were in it, 7-3 in the beginning, and then relinquished the lead. Never got it back. Their defense was atrocious. I mean atrocious. Packers ran all over them. 132 yards for Aaron Jones, 61 more for A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers, two touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers. For the Packers, it's an offense. The Bears forced none. And offensively for the Bears, how about this? For a stat, Justin Fields threw only 11 passes. That is shocking. That's like when the Bears won rookie year for Mitch Stravinsky, threw 11 passes. In some games, they won. In this case, 7 of 11, 70 yards, that's nice, but they lost. Austin Fields, number one, had no opportunity. Number two, did not play well. That's not a controversial opinion. Would you take 7 of 11, 70 yards, no touchdown, one pick from your starting quarterback? Not me. He may not be fully to blame yet. I mean, 11 passes called, not his fault. But out of those 11 passes, we really didn't see anything. We saw Fields actually miss a couple of reads, even in that game. Took a little bit too long to hold on to the football. Had the turnover late. The interception. These are concerns. Not a Justin Fields hater for pointing out the facts of the situation. Justin Fields has work to do. The Bears have work to do. Justin Fields does too. Luke Getsy does. Especially. Let's see, fourth and inches, goal line, we'll call a shotgun draw. Yeah, that's going to work. How stupid was that play call? Oh, my goodness. A shotgun, fourth and inches, at the freaking goal line? You have David Montgomery as your running back. Pound it in. Justin Fields is your quarterback. QB, sneak it in. But instead, we're calling a shotgun in that situation. And then you wonder why the Bears didn't get it. They probably should have. But still they didn't. On paper. I was very much impressed with the Bears' run effort. Montgomery and Herbert did well. No complaints there. But they didn't score enough. 10 points. That's it. Give up 27. And I could not think this enough. Justin Fields did not look good. And for Luke Getz, he'd only call 11 passes for Fields. That's the scary part. 11 passes, that's it? For a guy who you're supposed to be developing? Developing. Not holding back, not being bored about. We talked about this last year with Matt Nagy. When Justin Fields was named the starter, he got very little opportunities to throw the football. For some reason, it seemed as if he was being limited on purpose for throwing, for attempts seen it again right now. I don't get why. What is there to limit? I'd rather Justin Fields throw for 35 attempts, 40 attempts, have two picks, one touchdown, whatever. At least I want to see what he's made of. We keep going back to this narrative of he's being limited, offense isn't catering to him, plays aren't being called right, and eventually it's going to have to be fixed. We cannot evaluate Justin Fields throwing 11 passes a game. That's just unacceptable. On top of it, you were behind for the majority of the game. You'd think you'd throw more. They didn't. It's got to stop. Oh, yeah, and then your two big weapons, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, have been nowhere. They haven't even been seen. I'm not surprised about Cole Komet. I still think he might be a bust, but Darnell Mooney, what the hell? WR1, number one wide receiver. He's not getting any targets. No players are being called for him, and nothing's being done statistically. And Cole Komet's done absolutely nothing. I mean, barely any catches. He's been missing blocks. I mean, what's the point of even him being out there? Why even have him on the field? I mean, at least if you're a tight end, you could justify, well, I don't have any catches, but I could block. He can't even block. He's been around for long enough to understand the program. I don't care if it's a new offense. Block. That's intuitive. I said before this season, unless he proves me wrong, he's a bust, and I stand by that comment today. Cole Komet's a bust. And he dropped the ball too, by the way. Another patented Comet drop. Dropped another pass, can't catch the football, drops too many passes, can't block. What's the point of him being out there? There's no developing tight ends. You have it or you don't. Quarterbacks, yeah, you can develop, push along the way, but you should be able to block as a tight end. That's not a learned trade. You should know it. You should know how to catch a football. Can't do either. Oh, Cole Komet's going to have a big breakout year. Everybody who said that is damn wrong right now. And I'm not surprised, but I didn't understand even the hyper for Komet in general. What, because you had 500 yards last year? Great. Zero touchdowns. And a lot of those yards came in garbage time because the Bears were always behind. Key word, always behind, passed more. This year, always behind, passing never. It's just unacceptable. And this all goes back to the offense. You would think with a new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new GM, the offense would look better. It looks like Matt Nagy offense. I'm sorry. Just telling it like it is. I don't see a significant improvement whatsoever. The Bears won week one mostly because of their defense. Justin Fields made some throws. Broken coverage. Still going to make the throw. I didn't mind that at all. But this week we saw nothing from the offense except for some running, which is nice. I mean, Matt Nagy didn't run, but that's it. You have a new toy? This is your time to play with it. Everybody clamored, put him in, put him in last year. They did. They didn't really do anything with him. This year, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new GM, play with him. Let him play. Let him make plays. Let him throw. Who cares if it's picked up? Let him play. And they're not doing that. They're limiting him significantly. 11 passes. Prime time against the Packers, 7 of 11 in total. How is that acceptable? I've never heard of that. Prime time against the Packers, Sunday night football, Justin Fields, 7 of 11. 11 passes. There is reason to be concerned about Fields, no doubt. But there's more of a reason today to be concerned about Luke Getzi and how the hell he's running this offense. Everybody, give Luke Getzey a chance. Well, remember, he's never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. College, Mississippi State, way different than the National Football League. Way different. And I'll tell you, what, he's already on thin ice with me. I know it's only two games in. I'm going to give him more time, obviously. But right now, if this continues, it's already been, Luke Getzey's in big trouble. Big trouble. And these offensive weapons that everybody touts are nowhere to be found. If Darnell Mooney wants to be considered a WR1, got to make more than one catch a game, or sometimes no catches. One catch, negative four yards. Good job, Darnell Mooney. Got to get open, or you have to call plays that cater to him, too, and the Bears aren't doing either. And Darnell Mooney's not doing his part. Cole Comet, no catches, no yards. Cole Comet might as well have not played on Sunday night. I mean, these stats are ridiculous. Roquan Smith had a bad game, Mr. I-want-to-be-paid. Paid Paid for what? So far, Ebert Blues and Poles have looked very smart for not paying it. Very smart. I'm not getting mad because the Bears lost. We expected that. I'm mad because players who the Bears and who fans have trusted did not come through. Same with coaches, too. That's the part I'm pissed about. We knew this was going to be a rebuilding year, and I even said the Bears were going to lose. 28-24, to 24, I thought it would have been a closer game. I thought they were going to play with the same energy they played with against San Francisco. And it would have been close, would have been competitive, would have been fun to watch. And had they lost, it would have been a moral victory. I hate moral victories, but for this Bears team, it would have been a moral victory. Hey, Justin Fields, two touchdowns, one pick maybe, 250 yards. That would have been nice. Didn't see any of that. We saw Justin Fields do nothing. Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet might have not even played. And the defense and the guys who really want to be paid showed why they shouldn't be paid yet. And the new offensive coach that everybody touted had a dud of a game plan. A dud. Catch all that? That's Bears football in week two of a rebuilding year. I'm not being too harsh. I know it's rebuilding, but it's got to be better than this. I'm cool with the Bears going 3-14 if that's really what they're going to do. I don't think so for a second, but maybe so. But if they're going to play like this every game, they are going to be 3-14. they got to get better here. And I know they're better than this, which is why it's also frustrating. We saw it in week one. They're better than this. They're way better than what they showed on Sunday night. They have more talent than and what appeared on Sunday night. And yet they put up these numbers and play like this. You are going to be 3-14 if you play like this all year. That's a fact. If you're proud of the way you play, if you repeat week one, there's a chance this could be a near 500 team, which would be great. But right now as it stands, at 1-1, the Bears are in big trouble. Nothing more I could say. They're in big trouble. It's time to correct the problems they're having. And it's just frustrating, again. I'm not being too harsh. If you think I'm being too harsh, you not get to watch anymore, but I'm not being too harsh. I know it's a rebuilding team. I know they're not supposed to be great, but they're better than what they showed on Sunday. All of them. Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, I would hope Luke Getzi. Roquan Smith, they're all better than what they showed. Yet, if they keep playing like that, this is going to be a long year. And I'll tell you, Justin Fields has work to do. He has work to do. No question. I want to address these two. Justin Fields, after the game, talked about how fans shouldn't be too heartbroken for the loss. The players are the ones playing. I want to comment on that and just say this. He is right, but it's funny how there's a double standard. If any other quarterback had said that for the Bears, Bulls, Trubisky, who knows who else, Jake Cutler, it would have been handled so much differently. And that's a fact. Justin Fields is right. But if anybody else had said that, if Matt Nagy had said it, it would have been handled so much differently. And I like Justin Fields. His comment's correct, but realize that Everybody defended him. If anybody else had said it, they would have defended us, the fans, or the media. Everybody wants Justin Fields to succeed. I do, too. The media is really pushing that narrative, and I want him to succeed. I want the Bears to win. But just remember, had anybody else said what he said, entirely different ballgame. You may not like that statement, but it's true. People were roasting Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Pace. For any comment after the game during a press conference, Justin Fields calls out the fans to an extent, and everybody's defending him. There's a double standard there. It's worth pointing it out. Even if it's your home team, even if it's your home media, it's worth pointing out. I don't mind him making that comment because it is true. I'm sitting on my ass talking about the Bears to you on YouTube. I have no say, so I'm not the one out there working. It's 100% true, and I agree with that. But if anybody else had said it in the past, Trubisky, Bulls, Dalton, Nagir Pace, there would have been so much more backlash, it's not even funny. You may not like it, but it's the truth, and I'm here to say it. As for the Bears, they've got to get better. And it's time to put in some more work, I guess. If you're putting in work and these are the results, time to put in more work. I know they're not going to be great. I know this is a rebuild year, and that's okay with me. But we need to see a better effort than this. We need to see better numbers than this. We know they're capable of so much more than this. That's the part that's frustrating to me, and I can only hope it gets better from here, because if not, Going to be a pretty long season for the Bears, even though we know they're rebuilding. They have more talent than what they showed. They have a better offensive scheme than what they showed. Same with defense, too. So it's only a matter of time before they get better. But if not, be assured I'll be the first one to call them out. Porta here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Rob Body comes up next. So stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglory and we are back and ready for today's special guest, an NFL writer for the Associated Press and the host of Faith on the Field. Please welcome Rob Body to the program. Rob, it's great to have you on. How are you?
1: John, it's always great to talk to you, man. I appreciate it.
0: What do you make of the Bears-Packers game on Sunday night? First off,
1: it wasn't surprising that the Packers were able to bounce back from a, a dud in Week One. Uh, I thought they were going to have a better showing against Minnesota, and and w- once they came out, kind of in that game. Uh, I it was it was expected that they would have a an easier time with the Bears. To uh, Aaron Rodgers, as he'll tell you, owns the Chicago Bears. I, I believe now he's about twenty three <laughs> and five against the Bears. Uh, but from Chicago's perspective, there were some things that you saw from Justin Fields that give you some some hope for the future I just think he's so early in his process and so it's so inexperienced that he he's still some some time away from figuring out how to play this quarterback position in the NFL and having success at doing it but you know that the talent is still there but clearly Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers still own the NFC North and if there was any doubt that Minnesota may give them a run for their money, especially after they beat them in week one. Uh, I think the performance by the Vikings on Monday night football in Philly against the Eagles really leaves no doubt that the North is going to go through Lambeau Field and the Packers. And in the end, I anticipate they'll be the ones winning that division.
0: What concerns you most about Justin Fields right now based on what you've seen so far?
1: I think with Justin, it's got to be his decision making. And and I think sometimes just some of the tells and making sure he's not giving away uh, what they're going to do. And also some of the footwork, I I think, you know, I I watch football oftentimes, John, while I'm doing while I'm writing, while I'm working. So I don't get to listen to the analysts or what they're pointing out or what they're saying. I did see where they were talking about his footwork at one point, but didn't hear the extent of it, but that's just, that's normal with a young quarterback. I, I think mechanically, these are things that you have to work on and work through. And sometimes when, when you're in in college and you dominate or you're among the top two, three, four, five quarterbacks, a lot of that is based on talent alone. And once you get to the NFL, you realize that there are going to be changes that need to be made. And, and those changes involve sometimes it's mechanics, oftentimes it, it a lot of it is I spoke to Sauce Gardner, a cornerback for the Jets, rookie corner, a couple of weeks ago. And, and he highlighted to me, pointed out to me the film work, the film study. And that's at his position as a corner, where you know he used to have to just focus on the other team's top receiver. Now you do that in the NFL and it's magnified. You got to know the, the playbook inside and out. You got to know the other team's tendencies inside and out. And now from a quarterback position, I think those are things that young guys learn as they progress in this league. Look at what Tom Brady has been able to do and continue to be elite at age 45. And a lot of that is the film work, the study work. Now we know his workouts are legendary and he's been able to stay in, in in healthy and in great shape throughout his career. But it's, it's the mental aspect of the game that I think Justin's going to work on. And, and I have no reason to feel that he won't be able to, to get up to par and to progress. Now, John, you look at Jalen Hurts, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the Eagles, but the leap that it appears. It's year three for Jalen. Year two is a full-time starter. And his performance on Monday night against the Vikings was sensational. And the questions about him were – Can he make a leap from year one as a starter to year two as a starter? And there's no reason to believe that Justin Fields, as talented as he is, can't eventually make that leap. He's certainly not there yet, but if you're a Bears fan, there's reason for hope and optimism.
0: How similar do you think Fields' path is to Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned?
1: Well, Jalen's got a a ton of weapons around him right now. They brought in AJ Brown, who had a big game in week one. Devontae Smith was a first round pick, and he had a big game in week two. They have the league's number one running offense, but I I think be and a dominant offensive line. But beyond that, I I think what Jalen has is now finally, for the first time in his career, continuity at offensive at the game plan, offensive coordinators, the same head coaches, the same two years in a row as a start. He had, he had been in a different offensive system for like the last four or five years going back to college. So that helps. Uh, I think if Jalen can, if Justin can have some continuity, if the bears can develop around him and bring in some weapons, I think they certainly need to protect him. They got to do a better job they got to be able to run the football. In Philly, as great as the Eagles' rushing offense is, much of that is predicated upon Jalen Hurts. He was their leading rusher last year. He scored the two touchdowns the other night against Minnesota, and and he's a big part of why they are so successful on the ground, and that allows them to keep teams off balance. And and you saw him throw for 333 yards, and complete 83% of his passes. So uh, the Bears are certainly a ways – away from that they're not there yet they need better talent around Justin Fields they need to be able to maximize his ability and I think what they've done in Philly John so well is at a point last season in Nick Sirianni's rookie year as a head coach when they started off and they struggled and and, and they were trying to to fit Jalen Hurts into an offensive system that really wasn't catered for him and what they did was emphasize the run And that allowed them to take off and and have success and and make it to the playoffs in in a rebuilding year with a rookie head coach and a first year starting quarterback. And and what the Bears should do and take from that is you cater your offense to the skills of your quarterback. You can't try and and force him to do something he's not comfortable doing. And Jalen is now getting better at doing that. And that's why I think if the Bears bring in some talent around him, make sure he's comfortable in the system. and and try to emphasize his talent and ability, you could see down the road maybe some success later this year, some building points, some building blocks, to where next year they can carry that over.
0: Do you think they should add more running to Fields' repertoire and agenda on the field? Would that help him out?
1: I I think you you never want your quarterback to be your leading rusher. He was for Philly last year, and, and he very well might be Jalen Hurts this year. But we've seen him have success doing it. We've seen Lamar Jackson clearly have a ton of success doing that in Baltimore. The question then becomes is sustainability, John. How long can you win with a quarterback taking hits, taking shots and being your leading rusher? Uh, I, I think early on in a guy's career, they can handle it much better. We know that. Uh, and and to allow Justin Fields to uh, open up the offense a little bit more, I, I think you do have to design and incorporate what he does best, and that's improvise, and allow him to run the football. Some RPOs. The Eagles are a great RPO team, and I think that's something that teams that have a quarterback, like, a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who can beat you with his arm and beat you with his legs and has that ability, I think you have to look at that and make that an effective part of your offense because that's only going to help your run game and that's going to open up your pass.
0: Rob Boddy here on Sports Talk Chicago. Rob, how surprised are you that the Eagles are 2 and 0 right now?
1: Uh I, I thought that they would go to Detroit and, and beat the Lions. Uh, I and I and I expected that the Vikings would do better, and, and I had them winning a close game. So I thought the Eagles would be at one-on-one. One. It didn't surprise me that they won their home opener, though, with that crowd, with the way Kirk Cousins struggles in primetime games. Uh, it, it, it wasn't that big of a surprise. However, John, what surprises me more – than the two and zero because I could have seen them starting the year off at two and zero and potentially three zero going to Washington. That's and then Jacksonville comes in. They could they could very very well be four zero, but it's the way they got there. It's the dominant defensive effort in week two and, and the the breakout performance by Jalen Hurts in week two that to me. Uh, speaks volumes about where this team is right now. And then you look on the defensive side, the way they shut down Minnesota, but – Darius Slay stepping and He doesn't like when you call him Darius. He just wants to be called Slay, John. Anytime you do an interview with him, he's like, I'm just Slay. He wants to be called. So the way Slay stepped up, two picks, really shut down Justin Jefferson, I, I, I think was a tremendous effort on his part. Uh, I said during the game, he's he's earning some all-pro votes. Forget about Pro Bowl because everybody makes it. All-pro, the AP All-Pro roster is what's the, the most – uh it it it, it, that really determines the elite that's very prestigious and I think he earned himself in that primetime performance against Justin Jefferson uh some all pro votes for sure and and to see the Eagles now dominating on defense and having an offense that's capable of beating you various ways I think that's what's most surprising through two weeks
0: I remember we talked probably in March. And there were some questions about Jalen Hurts and his future with the Eagles. It seems like he's shutting everybody up right now.
1: It it seems like it. And and I feel like each week in Philly, John, it's really like a referendum on is Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of the future. And and after week one against Detroit, where he did, he made a ton of great plays. There were still some questions because there was some indecision in the pocket, some, some quick, reads one to run rather than go through his full pro- progression and then from week one to week two significant improvement there uh my biggest concern if i were an eagles fan is that you reach the end of this year and you still don't have a clear-cut definitive answer on whether or not jalen hurts is the quarterback of the future more performances like he put up against minnesota and that's certainly going to be answered but if he's if he's a little bit ineffective with in the pocket, if his decision-making leaves a little bit to be desired, there are still going to be some folks out there who who question whether or not you can win with him. Uh, I I said last week, maybe this is who Jalen Hurts is. He's going to be week-to-week guy. He's a dynamic playmaker. You're going to have to live with some indecision, some mistakes, but you're also going to see a guy who can make great plays on the move there was a 32-yard pass or a 40-yard pay, He threw 40 yards, completed it for 32 because he was behind a line of scrimmage, on the move, turned uh to Quez Watkins, I believe it was. It was called back because of a penalty. I don't know if it was a legal man downfield or holding. But for him to go through his reads and, and then roll out to his left, turn his body, shift his hips, throw the ball on a dime where it had to be, it was a big-time throw. And I, I think big-time throws like that, are are going to become more a part of his repertoire. So if I were to have to, and and this happens in Philly, you got to make a decision week in and week out. If I had to make a decision after week two on Jalen Hurts as a franchise quarterback, I'm more in than I am more out.
0: Do you think that maintains and holds up the test of time at the end of the year?
1: Yeah, that's that's the big question. Uh, (laughs) and, And right now the Eagles are fortunate enough to have those playmakers around him have that defense where they can win games. I believe they'll win the NFC East, that Prescott getting hurt in Dallas. And I know it didn't affect them in the first game with Cooper Rush, but I, I think that's only gonna uh, set up the Eagles nicely for the run, a nice run here in the NFC East. It doesn't mean winning the division means you have a clear cut answer Uh, I, I think how you play in January determines what you look at going forward now last year against Tampa in Tampa in the playoffs they looked like a team that didn't belong on the field and Jalen Hurts looked like a guy who wasn't capable of winning big games for you the question has always been you can win games with Jalen Hurts can you win games because of Jalen Hurts last night against the minnesota vikings on monday night football he he proved that they won because of him not with him and and he if he continues to do that throughout the season then you're going to have that answer that yeah he he, he's that guy he's that franchise guy and he's going to set himself up for a nice payday right now he's on his rookie contract john and, and and that means for the eagles they're one of the few teams getting away with paying a quarterback very little money in this day and age when guys are making 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 million dollars, <laughs> taking up all of that salary cap. Uh, it'd be great for them if, if they can figure this out with him right now and, and continue to move forward.
0: How far do you think they go? They have a good enough defense and the offense continues to get better. Jalen Hurts gets better. Are they going to be a NFC championship team, Super Bowl team? What do you think?
1: You know, initially at the beginning of the season, I didn't think so. I, I didn't see the Eagles as a as a Super Bowl contender. I saw them as an NFC East champion who would be a four seed and had an opportunity to potentially be one and done, losing to a team like San Francisco at the wild card spot. Um, and, and and right now, they're kind of showing me that they can be in the conversation for two or three. Some people want to get all excited about week two and, and put them out they're The best team in the, <laughs> the NFC uh, right away. And and I, I still think Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a little bit uh, to say about that because their defense is terrific in Tampa. You know their offense at some point, when they get healthy, they are so bagged up up front on the offensive line. They don't have anybody. They're bringing in Cole Beasley uh, because they have no weapons for Tom Brady. Once they get healthy at wide receiver and Evans is playing and Godwin's playing and Julio Jones, we don't know about him week in or week out, but you got Russell Gage. Now you add Cole Beasley. At some point I anticipate fully that Tom Brady calls Rob Gronkowski whether it's at Thanksgiving dinner or sometime <laughs> around there, you bring him back and, and I think they'll, they'll still be the team to emerge. But right now the Eagles are putting themselves through two weeks in the conversation to where they go from being that fourth seed, uh, a team that's potentially a one and done to one that can make some noise in January. Uh, and, and obviously we got 15 weeks to go. It's a long season in the NFL, and things can change extremely uh, quickly and and very dramatically.
0: What do you make of Jimmy G returning? Could that put the 49ers back in that conversation too?
1: Yeah, John, I've said all along that the best thing that the Niners could do is keep Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, and they found a way to do it, and and it had to do a lot with – Well, one, his health, he had surgery that diminished his trade value. Nobody was going to give up anything uh, or pay that contract to someone coming off shoulder surgery. And then he goes through this very strange training camp where he's just working out on his own at the team facility. Yet I thought at some point they were going to turn it over to Jimmy Garoppolo because they got a good enough team to win and to win with him now. And I didn't think Trey Lance is ready. You look at what Jimmy G has done. He's just won. And last year he was a dropped interception away from taking the team back to the Super Bowl. If Chukesky-Tart on on San Francisco uh, would hold on to a pass that Stafford put up uh, late in the game, uh, is in his hands, he drops it, Rams go on to score and and win that football game, Garoppolo would have been back in the Super Bowl with three impressive road wins, right? Instead, they lose and all of a sudden they're moving on to Trey Lance. It's unfortunate what's happened to Trey Lance, but I think it also tells you how much this team's chances improve because – Even in Vegas, the odds, I believe, went from 25 to 1 to 18 to 1. A team loses its its starting quarterback and goes to the veteran backup, and their Super Bowl odds improve from 25 to 1 to 18 to 1. It tells you right there that Jimmy G should have been the guy all along, and if he can stay healthy, which has been a question throughout his career, but if he can stay healthy, John – Uh, I think the Niners are set up to potentially win that NFC West, challenge the Rams for the NFC West, or go the wild card route again.
0: Well, at least the Bears could say they beat them, even if it was with Trey Lance. (laughs) What to come with Rob Boddy. In just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Rob Boddy still here on sports talk Chicago, Rob, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, faith on the field. How's it been going?
1: Uh, It's been fantastic, John. And I really love having faith on the field on uh, sports talk Chicago and across the country. It's been tremendous. And we appreciate uh, being able to do that. And we got some great guests lined up coming up. Tim Tebow's back. Tim Tebow's like a monthly guest. He's coming back (laughs) this week. I had a great conversation with Aaron Donald. The first interview after the helmet tossing incident and we aired everything on all these other venues, but I didn't, the faith element to Aaron Donald, I didn't air that part yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have that coming up on faith on the field. And it's just been a wonderful opportunity as we continue to grow.
0: What's the best story or testimony you've heard on the show,
1: man, I, I'll tell you so many different stories that I've heard from different guys uh, al- along the way. Uh, I, I thought, um, just last week, I had Ryan Suckup, who was a kicker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and his first season happens to be the same first season that the Bucks also bring in Tom Brady. But, you know, as and obviously you don't win the Super Bowl because of a kicker. You win the Super Bowl and they get there because of who they brought in at number 12. But Ryan had a tremendous season. And I, and I asked him how winning a Super Bowl, the thought is you win a Super Bowl and, and it's impactful on your life. And he, he just goes, goes about telling me like how it, the very next day, Uh, We're at the park him and his wife and two kids and everything's normal and and he talked about how God was working through his life all throughout that season and how winning the Super Bowl is amazing the ring is great he loves it, but at the end it was just seeing the way his teammates lives and and his life, and God was working through them through various things remember it was a very difficult year It was the COVID year all of that stuff. Uh, He's like that was way more cool then hoisting the Marty Trophy and earning that Super Bowl ring. And to have that kind of perspective, to me, is tremendous. And, and, and it just lets everyone know out there that no matter what you accomplish in life, uh, in your profession, that there's something greater for you. And, and whether you're at the top of your profession or somewhere in the middle or you're struggling, you're looking to find your way, your your identity doesn't lie in what you do uh, or how you make your living. Your identity is found in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And and for someone to be a Super Bowl champion and to come to that realization, to say that other players on the team feel the same way, uh, I thought it was just a wonderful story for him to share. Well,
0: Rob, thank you so much for joining me. Really a pleasure. Looking forward to seeing your work in the AP and Faith on the Field and looking forward to the next time we chat as well.
1: Thank you, John. appreciate it. Keep up the great work, my friend.
0: I talk there with Rob Boddy. That'll do it for us today around Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Rob Body himself, Matt Tubial, WCKG, Jim DeTolbin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z Aglua. You can watch more of this show. Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes to you by tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No!
1: No! We no! are the turtles!